Can you imagine the level of a mind that watches wrestling? The audience wants to see action, adventure, wrestling, and plenty of it. Big men in tights, you know the drill. Rammer Slammer. Welcome to Rammer Slammer. I'm Ben Flanagan, and it's been a while, but we're back, and we've got a really good show for you this time because we're going to be talking to Kevin Owens, one of the best WWE currently has to offer on the roster, and WWE is going to be stopping through Alabama this week. SmackDown Live will be in Birmingham on Tuesday, January 9th at 7 o'clock. I think you can get in there at 6.45 is when they might open the doors or the pre-show starts. So officially starts at 6.45 p.m., but Kevin Owens will be there. He's going to perform, obviously, with Sami Zayn. I think he and Sami Zayn are scheduled to have a tag team match against Shinsuke Nakamura and Randy Orton. Another match on the card is a Birmingham street fight between AJ Styles and Jinder Mahal. So if you're in Birmingham or if you can get there on Tuesday night, definitely check it out. I've been to see SmackDown several times now in Legacy Arena there in downtown Birmingham, and it's always so so fun, so a ton of fun to check out. So take your kids, take your friends, go by yourself, whatever. You're going to have a good time. Let's get to our talk here with Kevin Owens. Had, had a, a great opportunity to speak with one of my personal favorite guys in, in WWE. You, you know his story, obviously, spent about 15 years working the independent circuits and, and had a phenomenal run with NXT, obviously. I mean, he, he created a name for himself before he got to WWE, but we're certainly glad that he's there. And now having had runs as Universal, Intercontinental, and United States Champion, Owens still has a lot of momentum, and, and he's still doing great work, especially with his longtime friend Sami Zayn currently as sort of a, a tag team of sorts. So I, I think the guy's just one of the more talented in-ring performers and talkers on the WWE roster. He's had great feuds with John Cena and Dean Ambrose and, and Chris Jericho, and he's just really been kind of a delight, I think, for wrestling fans. And it was great talking to him, and, and we talk about life on the road, we talk about social media, we talk about all, all these things that uh, we think you, you'll be interested in, and also ask him some geeky wrestling questions like favorite matches, favorite pay-per-views, and ask him what it was like to headbutt Vince McMahon on SmackDown uh, a little while back. So here it is, our interview with Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens, thank you so much for taking the time. Huge fan of what you do. First thing, I know you guys are coming to Birmingham, Alabama next week, and I was hoping you might be able to tell me about your experience in the southern United States. Do, do you notice any difference with the fans or the atmosphere? What sticks out about the south for you? Uh, you know, I I feel like every time we go uh, more in the south, the crowds are actually a little more... Uh, just a little wilder than uh, maybe the, 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 you know, some towns on the east, in the east coast, west coast, like everywhere has got some, like, and in Midwest as well, like some towns you just know, okay, this town's got pretty rowdy fans, this town's got pretty good fans, this town's got pretty loud fans here and there. But uh, it feels like that's kind of uh, the truth for everywhere we go in the south, whether it's a big town, a small town, you know what I mean? So uh, 
that's probably uh, I guess effect, like effect that trickled down from you know the the, the old territory territory days and. The crowds have always been known to be pretty, uh, pretty, pretty loud and and and, and wild in, in the south, and uh, you know that holds true today. I'd say. Yeah, and I've never been to Canada before, but I know that can- Canadians are can be rabid sports fans too. And I'm just curious: are there any similarities to the South and what you just described in in any parts of Canada? I mean, I've wrestled in you know mostly uh, the time I spent in Canada. I mostly wrestled in Montreal, uh, where I'm from, or in uh, in Toronto in that area. And uh, I would say Toronto fans were always pretty pretty rowdy, but Montreal, I mean, I've wrestled in front of great crowds in Montreal, and I've wrestled in front of absolutely terrible crowds where you're wrestling in front of 200 people, let's say, and you feel like there's, you know, 10 people in the crowd. But uh, anytime we, you know, WWE comes to the Bell Center, uh, that's a great crowd. So I guess it would depend, you know, it kind of depends on the show and where it was, but, uh, you know... Every time we're in Toronto with WWE or we're in, in Montreal, especially uh, at the Bell Center, the crowds are really lively and real loud, uh, you know, much like the South. So uh, I say it kind of depends where you go. Well, and obviously from watching you, you can tell that you're a fan of wrestling uh, just through your performance and that you obviously you're a historian in, in terms of how you perform and, and how it might relate to the past great performers. From what I've read and heard, you're you're obsessed with it. You're obsessed with wrestling. You've just lived it and breathed it for so long. Do you feel like that's something that you need to succeed as a wrestler? Has, has an intimate knowledge of the history of the business helped you in your career? Um, I mean, I think it's helped me uh, get to where I am now. And I, wa- I would say I'm obsessed with it still, but I've worked really hard at not letting not letting it be every, uh, you know, every second of my life because obviously now I have a wife and kids and uh, – you know, as much as they love wrestling themselves, uh, they they're not uh, they didn't make the decision to dedicate their entire lives to it. I did, so uh, you know, I try not to let it run every aspect of my life. But uh, I would say I I would say it certainly helps to be uh, you know a student of, of of the industry and and having grown up watching it, it definitely helps. But I don't think it's necessarily something that ha- absolutely has to happen in order to have success. I think. Uh, there's lots of guys in WWE now that have had success that weren't necessarily wrestling fans growing up or, you know, to be quite frank, aren't necessarily wrestling fans now in terms of watching other wrestling or watching wrestling from the past. You know, they obviously enjoy what they're doing and they love being WWE superstar, but I don't know that it, I don't know that every superstar out there is as, as obsessed with, with, with what we do as I am, but there's very successful guys everywhere. So I think, uh, it really just comes down to the individual and uh, how uh, you know how much they you know how much heart they put into their work because it doesn't matter it doesn't matter you know if somebody spends uh, you know 16 hours a day or you know watching wrestling as opposed to somebody else who doesn't really watch it that much besides what the you know the time they spend in the ring themselves it all comes down to heart really you know if your heart's in it uh, usually you'll succeed so uh, I think that's really the most important thing. Yeah, and you mentioned your wife and kids, and you're a family man, and you've, you're never shy about sharing how proud you are of your wife and kids. As a young father myself, I, I just spent a few days away from my family covering something for work, and it was really tough, and it was just a few days. So I can't imagine the challenges for wrestlers with families and the demanding road schedule. I'm sure that like FaceTime and texting and other technology helps, but how do you specifically and other wrestlers manage that? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's. I honestly can't imagine doing this without the technology we have at our disposal today, like FaceTime and stuff like that, like you said, because, uh, you know, back in the 80s, let's say, they would just, you know, cell phones weren't even available. So I remember talking about this with Curtis Axel, whose dad was obviously uh, Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hennig. He would say, you know, once, a, like, sometimes my, my dad would be gone for weeks at a time, and the only the only thing we know is in the middle of the night we'd get a phone call and we know like my mom would answer and we'd realize she's talking to dad and we'd say, Oh, okay. Dad just got to the next town. All right. You know, and it's three in the morning. He just got in, you know, for the long drive and stuff like that. So like that was their way of keeping touch, um, which is really wild. You know, uh, that takes a real, uh, that takes a real, uh, a real commitment to your, to your business, obviously to be, uh, to be able to, to, you know, uh, leave your family behind, but you know, pretty much everything we do is for the, the benefit of our families. And it, that was true back then as well. So, uh, I'm really glad FaceTime's around now. That's for sure. And, and you know, just tell phones anytime I want to talk to them, I can talk to them. That's, that's, uh, I don't know how I would do it without it. Uh, you know, I'm not the only one, obviously everybody that's got a family, you know, I'll, uh, you'll walk around you know, uh, every single day you'll see Kofi Kingston on fa like FaceTiming with his kids and, and many others doing the same. And it's just, uh, you know, that's just how we adapt. That's just how we adjust. And, uh, none of us, you know, none of us would be able to, I could certainly speak for myself, but I'm sure I speak for, uh, several of the guys on the roster when I say that none of us could do it without the, the support of our families and especially our wives, because, you know, without their support and love, I don't, I don't, I don't know any of us that could really dedicate themselves to this and, and, and be successful, you know? Yeah. And, and also on the tech front, you really have a great voice on Twitter, but you've also expressed concerns about the nastier aspects of social media. Where do you stand today? Like where, like where do you stand right now as we're talking in terms of how you manage your social media presence and how you engage with fans, both, both positive and negative? I really don't go on Twitter as much as I used to. I, I've really, uh, I've really reduced the time I spent on there just because, you know, I, I feel like, uh, as you, uh, obviously as you, as you become more, um, well known, more and more people have access to you, more and more people know who you are. And, uh, you know, there's quite a, there's a lot of people out there who are just miserable in their own lives, I guess, and just try to make other people miserable as well to bring themselves up or, to bring other people down to their level and there's there's no shortage of that that's for sure so i've it's it's taken a toll on me in terms of just how much i enjoy social media like that's a lot i, I don't enjoy it anywhere as much but i still see you know uh whenever i do go i'll still get messages from people telling me how my work helps them in their life and the struggles they're going through and or you know just somebody saying simply like i, I you know i used to enjoy wrestling when I was this age, uh, I, I didn't watch it for a little while. Now I came back and you're, you're my favorite or, or you guys are part of like, you guys are some of my favorite wrestlers or I really like this and that, like th th that always means the world to me. And, uh, you know, it never, it, it, it will never stop. And, uh, there's something very special about meeting, uh, you know, fans that you can tell, uh, are really, you know, are really, um, you, that, that, you, there's something really incredible about meeting people that, you know, you reach, uh, with your work and that, that what you do, uh, you know, every week, you know, because we do this every week, we get into a, a routine, I guess, and it kind of just becomes part of the job as, as passionate as we may be. You know, we always pour our heart and soul into what we do, but it does become, you know, it's like any other job in a way after, once you do something long enough, you kind of get used to it. But sometimes we'll meet, you know, we're lucky enough to meet somebody that's really being, 
being touched by your work, and that always kind of puts things in perspective, and that's always really cool. How important is winning the WWE Championship to you? Now that you've been the Universal Champion, which is a top title in the in the company, why would it still mean a lot to win the WWE title? I mean, uh, you know, to me, the, the, honestly, to me, the WWE Championship and the WWE Universal Championship are the same thing. They yeah. are the top t- championship on the respective brands. You know, if they were to unify any titles eventually down the line, if the brand split were the branding section were to end or whatever may happen, those titles will just be fused into the WWE Championship again, you know, or the, maybe the WWE Universal Championship. But the point right. is, they mean the same thing. So, of course, I want to be WWE Champion just for what it means, and that means you're the top superstar, you know. Uh, I don't think that you necessarily need to be the champion in order to be the top superstar, but it certainly uh, helps, and it's, you know, it's an accolade that everybody wants. Who doesn't want to be WWE champion? So I was universal champion, and I'm very proud of that, and that's something that I'll always, uh, you know, that's always going to be a highlight of my career, but of course I want to be WWE champion, just like I want to be tag team champion eventually, and, you know, I, I, I was intercontinental champion. I'd love to be that again. Uh, the United States champion, like all the titles, they just, they, they just mean, uh, it just means that your work is being recognized and you're seen as somebody who can represent the company with that title, you know, and that's, that's, uh, that's always very gratifying. Who is someone in WWE right now that you'd like to work with that you haven't? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of those guys in NXT, honestly, there's so many guys in NXT that I'd love to, to have matches with down the line, you know, Anybody from Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, who I, you know, I've known for a long time and I've gotten the chance to wrestle with on the independents, to, uh, you know, uh, Johnny Gargano, same thing, Ciampa, all these guys, to, to guys that I've never wrestled because, you know, maybe they weren't even wrestlers when I was on the independents. Maybe they're guys that just started the Performance Center and, uh, you know, just started, uh, th- just discovered the, this industry and, and, and are just starting out, but already, you know, doing pretty great for themselves, like, uh, the authors of pain, for example, those are guys that were just plucked out of their element and thrown into the WWE world, and they've been doing pretty good for themselves. And I'm really impressed with their with their progress. Or, uh, you know, there's so many guys like that at the at the Performance Center right now that I'd love to be uh, in the ring with. Also, you know, I I haven't really had the chance to do much with them at all. You know, we've had a few non televised matches here and there where we were in you know on opposing teams of like six man tag team matches and stuff like that. But I'd love to get in there with Bobby Roode and, uh, you know, get a lengthy, uh, a lengthy, um, you know, program with him. That would be pretty fun, I think. And, uh, you know, there's, there's just so many, there's, there's a lot of answers to that question. Sure, sure. And what's the best match you've ever seen in person that you were not a part of? Uh, I think, man, there's been a lot of great ones, but I guess it would have to be, I think Kurt Angle versus Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 21 would probably take the cake. Uh, I was really something. I was I was there live. I was uh, I started the show at the very top of the building because uh, that's the seat I had. And then when that match, I knew that match was next. I weaseled my way down to a better seat way down there and uh, really enjoyed that match. It was just two of the two of the best wrestlers of all time doing the you know doing what they do best and it was really incredible. And this might be the same answer, I don't know, but what do you consider to be the best wrestling pay-per-view of all time? Oh. Man, that's a really tough call. I mean, I've seen so many, and there's been so many great ones. It's hard to just pick one. Uh, but I guess I, I if I... It, 
All right, man. I, that's almost an impossible question to answer, honestly, because so many moments right now are flashing through my head of, you know, individual moments on paper on certain pay per views. But as far from beginning beginning to end, I really can't answer that question. I really don't know. I guess, uh, I mean, something like WrestleMania 30 really sticks out in my mind because I'm remembering now all the moments I was there live, but all the moments that I like, there's so many of so many moments that are flashing through my head took place at WrestleMania 30. I guess that would be my answer just out of, uh, you know, right, right on the top of my head here. Interesting. That's an interesting answer. Uh, so as someone who grew up watching wrestling in a time when podcasting didn't exist, what, what do you think of this era now where it's so popular and so rampant and so much of it, for, for lack of a better term, uh, exposes the business and allows such an intimate look behind the curtain? Yeah, I mean, I you know, it's just, a, I guess it's a natural, not natural progression itself, but it's, it's, just, it's just progressed to this point and it's, it's evolved to this point, and uh, it's probably part good, part bad, but it's just what we have to deal with. There's no, you know, there's no working around it at this point. So uh, this is just the way things are, and might as well accept it and make it work for yourself. You know, I'm sure there's positives and negatives to, to, to that aspect, but uh, I don't really spend time thinking about negatives, uh, you know, just in this aspect or any aspects of my life. I try to try to focus on the good things so sure and are there any that you listen to on a regular basis no i really uh i don't i i don't spend a lot like uh you know i i used to listen to a lot of podcasts on planes and stuff like that but now i just you know i've become to the point where i'll fall asleep and suddenly on a plane so i don't really listen to uh i don't really listen to anything uh you know on on a regular basis but uh uh, you know, I, there's so many out there that are, are I, I've had the chance to take part in and I've enjoyed so much, like Jericho and Austin and all those guys, obviously. Uh, I know there's a lot of really good, really good content out there. Okay, my last one for you here, Kevin. Uh, can you sort of just explain, paint a picture of like what goes through your head when you find out that you're going to headbutt Vince McMahon? Uh, no, I really can't, honestly. It's really, uh, it's pretty indescribable, but it's, uh, it's something I'll remember forever. I'll guarantee that. <laughs> awesome. Well, Kevin Owens, thank you uh, so much again for the time. Congrats on another great year. Good luck this year, and we look forward to seeing you in Birmingham. All right. Thanks a lot, man. Rammer Slammer is produced and edited by Ben Flanagan for the Alabama Media Group and AL.com. Find us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Rammer Slammer. Thanks for listening.